Welcome to Beyond the Cart, a podcast bringing you the why behind the products you buy. I'm Kate McMurray, nutritionist and outreach coordinator at The Big Carrot, a health food store in Toronto. Today, I'm chatting with Lucy Sherritt, the coordinator of CBAN. CBAN is the Canadian Biotechnology Action Network. It brings together 15 groups to research, monitor, and raise awareness about issues relating to genetic engineering in food and farming. CBAN does incredible work advocating for transparency and accountability in our food system, and most consumers are unaware of the work they do. So today, I want to dive into CBAN's mission and projects and talk about what we need to be aware of when it comes to this complicated realm of genetic engineering. So Lucy, thanks for being here. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for the time interviewing. So great to have you here, Lucy. I think let's just start with what is CBAN and why is it necessary? Well, as you mentioned, CBAN is a network. So it's the Canadian Biotechnology Action Network. So it brings together diverse groups from across the country, environmental groups, farmer organizations, coalitions of community groups, people with different concerns and different experiences with genetic engineering. So it exists to monitor what's happening with the use of this technology in food and farming and examine some of the issues that come up with the use of genetically modified foods, genetically modified crops, we could call them genetically modified or genetically engineered. And so the the network is over 10 years old and it picks up on work that Canadians have been doing for much longer than that, in fact, in trying to encourage democratic discussion about the use of the technology and trying to make sure that people have information about what it is, what kinds of issues it raises, and where it is in our lives. Yeah, and that's a huge piece, right, is just where it is in our lives. I think so many of us are unaware of how GMOs, genetic engineering, um, have sort of infiltrated the food system. And I know that technology is getting so much more complicated uh, and that whole industry has really taken off. So why don't we just to sort of backtrack, why don't we just start with a simple, what is a GMO? What is genetic engineering? Yeah, so genetic engineering is new. It's a laboratory technology. So it's techniques where scientists can directly change the genetic material of organisms in the lab. So instead of relying on the reproductive capacities of organisms, mating between organisms, in the lab, scientists can move genetic material around from one species to another, even across the kingdom barrier. So people might have heard of this experiment, for example, of a tomato with fish genes, something that obviously couldn't happen until now. And so we have these techniques of genetic engineering that now include what people might have heard about, which is gene editing, it's been called. CRISPR is in the news, for example, which is one technique. So all this means is that scientists are finding different ways to directly alter the genetic makeup of plants, animals, and organisms that enter our food system, and maybe other types of organisms Also, there's all kinds of proposals for how to use this because there's all kinds of possibilities, though there still are real technical limitations. Right. And so this is not to be confused with, you know, different varieties of an apple and natural ways of 
creating like different variety in a species. That would be, what would you call that? Yeah, that's the history of our food system is farmer right. breeding. So farmers have bred the best plants and animals to suit their needs, to suit the environment, to create different characteristics, mostly based on the reproduction, the mating of these organisms. And now we have patented techniques that are going far beyond what's possible with plant breeding, or is it? I mean, this is the, the promise is that so much more could happen with genetic engineering. And uh, in fact, we already have a great diversity from farmer plant breeding, and there's a lot of innovation that happens without genetic engineering. But yes, the diversity right. in our food in our grocery store is so far, you know, it's down to the history of farmers work. Right, right. And so you sort of you got at something there, the appeal of genetic engineering is what? Why should we want to do this? Like, what's motivating this technology? Well, it's exciting technology, it can do things. So there's been right. a lot of hype around it. What's happened is companies can make a lot of money putting out new products, everyone eats food. And with genetic engineering, when you move genetic material around, you can own the new combination of genetic material as an right. invention. You can claim patents on it, intellectual property, which means it's yours to sell alone. No one else can sell that. And if a farmer wanted to use that seed that contains that new genetic combination, they need to pay for it and they need to pay for it every season. So farmers cannot save those seeds, for example. So there, there is a lot of money to be made. And mm -hmm. that is the reality of this technology so far is that it has helped create a lot of wealth for a few companies. Many people might be familiar with the company Monsanto, which is now Bayer. This is the, the biggest seed company, along with uh, two others, Bayer controls 47% of the global seed market. And this is a huge kind of corporate concentration because mm -hmm. the technology has allowed for, you know, the new sale of these seeds. In reality, it's just a few types of seeds, a few types of traits, but it's made a lot of money for a few companies. It's really interesting to hear that perspective because I think whenever you talk about GMOs, the first thing a lot of people say is, you know, oh, it's going to help feed the world or, oh, you know, they're coming up with technologies to create better food or healthier food or food that's easier to grow. And there's all these other, you know, motivators that are spoken about, but you don't think about that corporate control piece right away. Like that's not in the in the general conversation we're having, right? Yeah. And yet it, it at this point really is a defining characteristic of the technology in our world. And in fact, the reality of genetic engineering hasn't kept up with the promises from these companies about all of the different types of traits that could be on the market and how they might be beneficial. The, the world of genetic engineering in our food is still really corn, canola and soy. It's about these three genetically engineered crops and they really have only two traits. They're either resistant to insects. Insects will die if they try to eat them or they're tolerant to particular herbicides where the, the plants are designed to survive herbicide sprayings. And 
almost 100% of all of the genetically modified crops grown around the world have those two traits. There's, aside from the corn, canola, and soy, and aside from those two traits, there's a tiny amount of different GM crops with different traits, but it's so small still. Mm. But there's always the promise of tomorrow, uh, what the technology right. can provide next. Right. And so when it comes to something like GM corn, the motivator there is being able to monocrop, right? To be able to have these massive fields and, and be able to spray and have a huge amount of crop to feed. Like that, that GM corn is being used primarily as feed, right? Yeah, the corn, canola, and soy, all three of those crops are grown in, yeah, large monocrops, largely, across North and South America. And they are used predominantly for animal feed and then also for processed food ingredients. Right. And I think that's an important piece to remember is, you know, people think about it when they're, you know, maybe in the produce section and, and they might say, well, I don't want to eat a GMO. I don't, you know, I wouldn't want a GM apple in my cart, but they're not maybe thinking about the beef that they've bought, right? Being like that cow being fed GM feed, or like you say, the, the packaged foods having ingredients. What are some ingredients just so people have a bit of a sense that might be listed in a conventional packaged food that would be coming from a, a GM source? Yeah, because of course there's no mandatory labeling, so there's no reason why people would have any of this information. And so mm -hmm. it's, you know, if people are interested in knowing where genetically modified ingredients are, thinking about corn, canola, and soy, this is about corn oil, soy oil, canola oil, so different vegetable oils, and things like soy lecithin, which is in chocolate bars. I think if you went to the freezer section or any packaged foods, you might find canola or soy in the ingredients. They're very commonly used. So it's really the packaged foods where at this point, in addition to, the, as you say, the animal feed where animals are being fed all corn, canola, and soy, uh, mm -hmm. kind of a steady diet of genetically modified feed, it's not really yet in the produce section. There's some small exceptions. Right. And you, you brought up a really, really important point there, which is that we don't have mandatory labeling in Canada of genetically modified ingredients in our food. So can you speak a little bit about that? Because I think a lot of listeners would go, wait a minute, what? <laughs> what do you mean? It's not like you would assume that that would have to be called out, but it's it's not. Yeah, it, it turns out the Canadians have been asking for mandatory labeling for 20 years. All of the polls that have been done show that over 80% of Canadians want labels of genetically modified foods. And most people surveyed just say they want to know and then there's people who have all kinds of other concerns as well. But predominantly, there is this desire for transparency in the grocery store. How is our food made? Uh, where does it come from? And yet, labeling of genetically modified ingredients has been resisted very strongly by the government and by companies. And we're at a point now where, you know, companies say, well, you know, Canadians don't know anything about genetic engineering. Of course, like, how do we find out information? And this is one of the things that the Canadian Biotechnology Action Network has been trying to do is to provide information where it's otherwise 
well hidden, this is going to get harder and harder if the Canadian government moves ahead with proposals that they have, which would mean companies may be able to put some new genetically modified foods and seeds on the market without even telling the government. And so we're at a point in the short history of genetically engineered foods where we're moving possibly from a lack of information for consumers in the grocery store to a lack of information for anybody because all of that information will be controlled by the companies that want to sell these foods. So crazy. It doesn't make sense and yet it's happening. And and the industry is evolving so quickly, right? Which is part of the issue is that it's not just those main crops anymore. We're getting into all these new technologies and how the heck do you keep up with that, right? What are the, uh, like you need advocacy groups and research groups like CVAN just even to keep up with what technology is out there, right? Yeah, we're at a moment where we might finally see a different type of story being told about genetic engineering, because for 20 years it has been about corn, canola and soy and these, these two traits that we talked about. And now there's new techniques of genetic engineering, these gene edited techniques that companies say will mean all kinds of different types of GM traits, different types of GM foods. So we, you know, if we think about the produce section, anything is up for grabs. Companies want to do anything they can to just put something on the market. We don't really know quite if the technology can provide for this, but it looks like it's powerful. It could happen quickly, especially if the government decides not to regulate, which is what is being proposed, is that just as the technology would allow possibly for more genetically modified foods, the government is getting ready to throw its hands up in the air and not do its own independent risk assessments of corporate information and not even require companies to notify and report to the government when they put some of these new GM foods on the market. So the Canadians request for transparency, we think is established through the these polls about mandatory labeling. The government really has decided that we don't deserve that information. The public is just not going to get that information that genetically engineered foods will be a part of our diet and we won't know where they are and that's okay. What's the motivator there? Is that corporate control over government? Like it seems it's money at the end of the day that's motivating those decisions that, and also lack of trust in, in the average person to navigate, right? They're worried that people are going to be afraid and not choose those products. And then these huge corporations that are producing all of these packaged goods are gonna lose sales. Is that sort of... Yeah, what's I think that's, like, that's a fair summary. And right. certainly the federal government has made a commitment, the Canadian government's made a commitment to this type of technology, to supporting this technology as, a, as an important technology in agriculture. And right. the companies that benefit from the technology have a lot of economic and political power. And mm. the government really is wanting to get out of the business of regulating these products. They're literally saying that the companies have the expertise so they can do their right. own safety assessments. They're also saying, the government is saying that the new techniques 
are safe enough that they don't require government oversight. So it's okay to let the companies regulate their own products. And we think it's far too soon to make any kind of conclusion like that. And what this decision would be if the, if the Minister of Agriculture and the Minister of Health go ahead, it would mean that the future genetic engineering that we don't yet even know about, the new techniques that could be developed, these would also go unregulated. So there's no long range planning, like the, there's no forethought, we think, about what that future looks like. Is it okay that these products would proliferate in fields and grocery stores without anyone knowing? And is it mm -hmm. actually safe to allow that to happen now and into the future? And it really is, we summarize it as corporate self-regulation. And mm -hmm. it already goes very far with these new proposals, but where does it end? It, it only mm -hmm. ends when companies have complete control over these products. And these products, this is our food. And so we do think that it raises particularly dangerous questions. Yeah, absolutely. And it's scary to think that long-term effects aren't necessarily being considered. Like I was saying, the industry is evolving so quickly. How can they possibly be understanding long-term effects? And not just on human health. You know, it's not just about, okay, a human is ingesting a genetically modified organism. It's also how that organism has been grown and the environment that it's impacting. So I'm thinking, for example, maybe you could chat a little bit about GM alfalfa and the issue there, like just giving people a sense of, okay, well, what's the big deal? A farmer decides to plant a GM seed. What, what happens next? What are the, what are the sort of ripple effects of that? Yeah. So these are living modified organisms. These are plants that have seeds or pollen and particular, something like alfalfa, is really easy to spread around. It, it will move around really quickly. And so for farmers, it raises some question about conflict, where you have farmers like organic farmers who don't use genetically modified seeds. The organic standard in Canada means that genetic modification is prohibited. Organic farmers have made a commitment to non-GMO farming and they're committed to all kinds of environmental practices. And so if we think about organic farmers or other farmers who grow non-GM food for those markets, um, those farmers are potentially under a threat of contamination from genetically modified crop plants like alfalfa. And something like alfalfa Many of us haven't really thought about alfalfa, except for alfalfa sprouts, but alfalfa is used for animal feed. So organic dairy relies on alfalfa. It's a really important crop for small farmers. So if there's more and more genetically modified crops that are introduced, the question of how that impacts farmers is actually not considered in regulation, just like do consumers want to know is not considered in regulation. There's one mm -hmm. question in regulation, which is safety. Is it safe to eat? And is it safe for the environment? And those decisions are made by government regulators based on 
corporate data that's confidential business information. We don't get to see it as the public. And mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned this issue of health or long-term issues. There, there is no requirement for long-term studies, and there's very few long-term studies. And this includes the question of environmental impact. And we do think that there definitely needs to be more thought put into what it means when we introduce more and more genetically modified crops into the environment. And we are, we are in Canada eating a genetically modified salmon. The world's first genetically modified animal has been approved and it is being grown in on-land facilities in Prince Edward Island and in the United States, very small amount. But this is the problem is when we don't address issues like consumer transparency, what does that mean into the future? It means we're eating genetically modified salmon and we don't know about it. What's next? The big question mark just remains. Okay, so obviously there's a lot going on in terms of genetic engineering and how it might be infiltrating our food system, getting into the grocery store. Before we all panic, what can we be looking for in store? You did mention that, of course, anything certified organic is non-GMO. What other labels, logos, things can we be looking for on packaging in store if we are choosing to avoid genetically modified foods? Yeah, it's a great question because there's several ways to avoid genetically modified foods. And the first we actually talked about was avoiding processed food ingredients. So avoiding processed foods largely would eliminate genetically modified ingredients, but the corn, canola and soy that we talked about. But if we're looking in the produce section also, maybe avoiding sweet corn, um, there can be some genetically modified sweet corn. But yes, it would be otherwise, say for packaged ingredients or for uh, dairy products, looking for organic logo. The organic logo means that farmers are not using genetically modified seeds, they're not feeding their animals genetically modified feed. So the Canada organic logo, that's what it means. And those farmers work really hard to make sure there's no GM contamination and they, they take on a lot of responsibility. And sometimes you'll also see another logo called the non-GMO project logo. And that logo is also a certification, a third party certification, that product, usually it's on processed foods, that that list of ingredients is non-GMO. And sometimes you'll see the two logos together because they do slightly different things, but they, they certify non-GMO. And so, you can look for one or both of those logos, the organic logo or the non-GMO project logo. You know, on cookies, you'll see a lot of non-GMO cookies, mm -hmm. for example. Yeah, and I, I think it's important for Canadians to know that they can have confidence in the work of organic farmers and that organic food businesses do a lot of great work to also support those farmers who are at the front lines of ecological farming. 
Absolutely. And it is important to remember, you know, having the logos is great. And, you know, it's certainly overwhelming as a shopper to make these decisions and have all the information. So it is really nice to have these third party certifications. But it's also important to loop back to what you were saying about the fact that we don't have mandatory labeling in Canada. And that is something to be to be working towards, I think, because it's, you know, that's about consumers making their own decision. It's not about saying that there cannot be this technology existing. It's just that we deserve to know what's in our food, right, as eaters. So what can people do if they are like, wait a minute, this is crazy. I need to find out more information. I want to get active in this space. What are some steps that we can take? Well, certainly making the choices in grocery stores is great, even if, you know, there's just a few products that are organic that you can buy that that choice also supports those farmers who are working for a better future but also politically certainly people can contact the ministers or members of parliament the canadian biotechnology action network has a website cban.ca and we're running actions usually there's an action at any given time that would be strategic to help bring these issues to politicians and try and get better policy and regulation, including labeling. At the moment, we have important actions to try and make sure that there's not a further erosion of transparency and a removal of regulation. And that work is happening at our website, cban.ca. There's a page called No Exemptions, because the proposal is to exempt some genetically modified foods from regulation. So people can send instant letters from our website or just take a look and contact us through the website if they want to take different types of actions. Often the big carrot in Toronto has been supporting people to take action, for example. So sometimes people will find like-minded people in their community or places like the big carrot where they can go and get more information, including about action. So any small action that people take, we think is very mm -hmm. important. And people are constantly thinking about this issue and taking different actions. And all of that is important, even where, you know, it has been 20 years and we have no mandatory labeling, yeah. but there's still a lot of, of work that can be done. And organic farmers and other farmers are still there growing non-GMO products. Absolutely. And what role do retailers, like you mentioned the big care, and we do have a non-GMO policy and, and we have worked very closely with CBAN over the years. And what role do retailers have here, you know, as, as advocates, as influencers, where do retailers come in? Yeah. So just like it's important when people can make some choices to support farmers who are farming in a particular way, when consumers go to smaller grocery stores in their communities, they can also be supporting decision makers. So it's a very difficult environment, I think, for retailers because there's a huge concentration of just a few companies. Our grocery mm -hmm. stores might have different names on them, but a lot of them are owned by the same companies. And this is a very bad situation for consumers, certainly for farmers and for small food businesses. So companies like the Big Carrot or some small retailers have taken extra steps to try and make sure that the products in the store are what they think consumers want or 
making sure that there's more organic and more non-GMO products and giving more space to those farmers and food businesses who sometimes are shut out of the bigger grocery stores or the competition is just too great. But the way that grocery stores operate is often really difficult for small food businesses. So I think if we look into the future about the food system we want, we can see that there's a lot of corporate concentration on the side of selling the food, as well as mm -hmm. the side of creating the seeds themselves. And we all have a role to play in carving out more autonomy in that situation. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, one of the really amazing things about CBIN is that you are looking at the entire system and how all these different components are playing into, you know, motivating and pushing this 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 technology forward. And I saw that you have a a new, well, fairly new report on grocery stores. And like you were saying, the fact that there's really just a handful of, of corporations behind a lot of the food retailers in Canada. So reports like that are all available on your website, right? People can go and and read. Yeah, we have a lot of resources at cban.ca, including a page about which which foods are on the market and we examine different types of issues. We have a lot of reports and fact sheets. Yeah, and if people have questions, certainly they can contact us through the website. Amazing, it's really incredible work. And honestly, even being in the space, having worked for The Big Carrot, I'm still constantly learning. And I see that you've got a whole slew of new reports. We haven't gotten into it today, but there is a new report out about genetically engineered tree that's coming out. So I think there's, obviously a lot to learn and I really appreciate you giving us a little primer today and I hope that it encourages people to to invest a little bit more in this issue and realize that it does go beyond you know the the typical things that we hear about soy corn canola so thank you Lucy for your time thanks for the time interviewing and thanks to everyone for listening and thanks everyone for listening to beyond the cart I'm Kate McMurray for more information about CBAN you can check out cban.ca cban.ca this show is produced by lead podcasting special thanks to the team at the big carrot you can find out what else we're up to by following us on instagram at the big carrot if you enjoyed our conversation today be sure to follow the show on your favorite podcast player bye for now